0: Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Today, I am super excited. I am joined by two guests, Carrie and Mike, and we're going to be diving into this game called A Quiet Year, and I absolutely loved it, but before we kind of get into That I would love it if Carrie and Mike could kind of give us a little background of who they are, because this is their first time as guests on Well Played. So welcome, Carrie and Mike. How about we start with you, Carrie?
1: Hi, good morning. Um, My name is Carrie Zatar, and I'm a fourth grade teacher at the Weinberg Gifted Academy which is a public school gifted academy in Gilbert, Arizona. We have um, our entire campus, K-6, and it's been identified as gifted. And I am very lucky to work with my teammate, Michael Dautrick.
2: And I'm Michael Dautrick. And as Carrie just said, uh, we've had the pleasure of working together last year and we just started introducing games uh, into our mm-hmm. teaching. So we're very excited about this podcast.
0: Yeah, so I got to say, absolutely love that you guys sort of ventured into uh, adding games slash gamification into your class. Obviously, I think it's a a great pedagogy to use, like a great tool that teachers can kind of tap into, and I think it really clicks with students. So hopefully you found that in your class as you explored.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: For sure. Uh, And this game, A Quiet Year, uh, whoo, I... Like, gotta tell you, I am just, like, super jazzed. I played this uh, for the first time, like, just pre-COVID, and then I twice over-COVID, like, over Zoom or whatever. And uh, I kind of want to give everybody a little brief description of kind of what's happening in a Quiet Year. Uh, so Quiet Year is a, um, I guess, like, role-playing game that's, like, there's kind of a giant asterisk there but uh yeah so the idea is together collectively like if we were playing if the three of us were playing on this podcast michael carey and i would not actually be a character themselves and that's kind of the like mind-blowing thing we all are sort of like the collective wisdom slash i don't know attitude if you will collective (laughs) wisdom and attitude of a community And the game sort of sets you up to sort of first pre-build what your community is like. So we make a few decisions in this kind of opening round, you know, what resources would be in abundance, what is in super scarcity, you know, we kind of decide some of those things. And then here's the other thing that I absolutely love is you get like a big sheet of paper or I did it digitally, right? So it was on a kind of digital whiteboard, if you will, and... With each decision you make in the pregame, you're kind of adding to this map. And then post the pregame, kind of the actual game itself, every round you're going to be kind of doing something to that map. You're going to be adding some detail based on an event or, you know, kind of a action or thing that happens. And some things can be multi-turn or aka like multi-week like kind of development. And that's kind of like the the last thing I'm going to talk about in terms of this to kind of cue it up so everybody gets an understanding is it's called a quiet year and it uses these cards, uh, just a deck of cards, right? 52 cards in a deck. So there's 52 weeks in a year. And so each kind of week is a draw of a card and each card has sort of two typically two actions or things that can happen. And we can kind of give in a couple examples as Carrie and Mike sort of take over here. But uh, whoever kind of reads that card gets to decide. Uh, but they can kind of like talk to everybody else, right? So it, does, it doesn't, the onus doesn't have to fully be on me as drawing the card. I can kind of ask for advice. I don't have to follow that advice. But then whatever happens impacts that map, impacts the ethos of our community. And it's just like no other game. And I, I don't know. I'm excited to talk to you. So I feel like that was enough queue up that everybody understands the quiet here. Uh, if you guys want to like fill in any gap that I missed or something that you absolutely love that I, I didn't talk about, please jump in here.
2: Yeah. So I found the game um, when I was listening to a Dungeons & Dragons podcast because I started uh, Dungeons & Dragons Club at my school this year for sixth graders and also for the teachers. We do a club with it as well. Um, and I was listening to the Adventure Zone uh, and they were setting up their Ethersea campaign. And so they used the Quiet Year to build uh, their city for their Ethersea campaign. So they kind of used a game to set up their other game. Wow. Uh, and so when I heard that, I was like, I think we could take this and tie it into our classroom. Just like they kind of changed it to change to uh, tie it into Dungeons & Dragons.
0: Nice. Um uh... That that collective building and you end up with this like backstory. Like I have to say after each play, one, I remember each play because it's like so visceral. Like you're making this story. It's captivating. It's like, you know, like an English teacher speaks about the books you read, right? Like it just transports you and you're there and you care about these characters and the lives of all the characters. Uh, but I also thought it was incredibly approachable. So Mike brings up D&D, you know, and, and that he launched this club, which is awesome. And probably mm-hmm. a whole nother topic that we could kind of get into. <laughs> but I do want everyone that's listening cause to hear this is such an approachable game. Uh, I had never done D&D. That is not a piece of the sort of games that I've played. And... I don't really do many role playing games that's not that's again another thing this idea of like creatively generating just in our minds these ideas and kind of going through the story not something I do yet I loved a quiet ear and I could easily read through the directions and and the directions are written in a way in which you almost don't have to read it cover to cover. You can almost just like read to the table this paragraph that tells us, oh, we're going to pick a scarce resource. Okay. And that gives you some suggestions. And you as a table could kind of decide that and then whoosh, go to the next little paragraph and literally just kind of walk through the setup and then instantly play with everybody. Um, so it's a, it's definitely approachable for. Definitely. Yeah.
1: And when Mike came to me and said, Hey, I found this, listen to this podcast, I found this game and um, you know, we bought the PDF of it and read through it. Then we immediately started brainstorming together. Well, how can we modify it a little bit? Because we work with nine and 10 year olds. Um, How can we modify it and tie it into our content um, for fourth quarter? And so we figured we're going to take fourth quarter and we're just going to play it and we're going to, you know, just try it out and test it. And so Um, We went through the cards and we first each of us kind of went through the cards and decided which ones we needed to either change just a little bit or just completely not use for, you know, for our students. And then um, Mike put a lot of work into taking the cards and he put them into slide decks with links because we have he has a homeroom and I have a homeroom. So we did this game with 50 kids, um, each in their own teams or groups of Three. I don't even remember now how many they had. There's four. Four in a group, yep. um, between the two rooms, and we played together. Um, but I'll let Mike talk a little bit about how, like, where the thinking came and how to tie it into our content.
2: Yeah. So you know, our content in fourth grade here is is kind of all over the place. So you know, we kind of start with Mesoamerican civilizations, go into Native American civilizations. Uh, We do biomes, adaptation, mapping, and, of course, storytelling. And so as I was listening to them using the quiet year in that podcast, I was like, we can tie all of our curriculum in. And, you know, so as we're going through the weeks, we're just like telling the students to remember how this is going to tie in with the curriculum that we previously learned. Uh, And so we kind of used it as an end of the year um, just to tie everything up that they did in a fun, you know, like I said, a mapping and a storytelling game is kind of how I look at the quiet year.
0: Uh, so true. So I'm curious, can you, I mean, every teacher gets that. You had to make a few adjustments to the, to the cards. And again, you just use a 52 card deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's and at least in the digital version, there's just a PDF that you kind of look up. what mm-hmm. it, What is the ace of hearts right. do? But we all get as teachers, you know, adjusting and modifying. But I am curious kind of your overall structure, because in the in the regular game, it would truly be Carrie, Mike, and I. That's it. You know, maybe, maybe two other people, maybe three other people. Like so I don't know, at most like six, I would think. And you'd kind of be around the table. You'd have like a big butcher sheet of paper kind of on the table and just be talking and discussing and building. So I'm curious how did you sort of Logistically, make this work for the classroom. Well, so
2: you know, like I said, we we broke our two classes up into into groups of four, and we kind of intermixed them so that they had uh, some different people to work with. Uh, we kind of had to give them a little more leeway than we would have, like at the beginning of the year, um, just having faith in them that they were going to follow along and, and actually do what they were supposed to do i mean with only two teachers and 50 kids we're of course walking around and listening to bits and
0: parts of what they're doing um so but I, we just kind of had to go I'm, ahead i'm gonna stop you there because i just i think you're jumping a little bit like the question okay. i immediately have here so you've got 50 kids right mm-hmm. in groups of like four or five is all tables Experiencing so, their own quiet year, yes. yes. Each that's each table. So the key. Golly. So
1: we rolled it out with a little iMovie trailer, and then we presented this this legend to the kids, which kind of set this the story. And so for Love us, it. instead of it being a, a it, it's less apocalyptic, and it's not like there's a uh, another civilization that's coming in. The, what we told them was that the elders have read the signs, and that this. Um, mother nature is going to let loose her rampage because we also do natural disasters. So their goal as a, so they each, the um, elders ask for each of the civilizations to come to send a representative to come together. So their group is representing each all these other little civilizations and to form one, because what they have to do is they have to come together as a community and build a sustainable community. That's going to survive the coming wrath of mother nature. So each group is their own community, and as they work through the cards, there. So it, it's it's as if there's we had sixteen there's eight there were about sixteen groups. It's like sixteen different groups with sixteen different maps and sixteen different stories. So they what the kids were working on at their groups was into like for their own group.
0: Got it. So does that, that was does that, that answer that question. Hundred percent. So I just want to <laughs> okay. make sure as teachers are you know thinking through like i want to do this i have 25 kids i have 16 kids okay. i have 50 kids i have 100 kids i just wanted to see like are they all playing on the same map or okay no. so okay we got this yes. but they're all on their own map now my next sort of question to the two of you is kind of the logistics uh did every table then have their own you know quote-unquote like event deck or did you just kind of announce like this round this is the event and all so, 16 tables
1: so we took it through very slowly at first very very slowly and each it that so we had a slide deck with all of the twit cards on it that we put up and projected that but every group so mike would roll the die and whatever die came up that was the week we pulled so every group worked on the same week so that was collaborative amongst all of the kids. So if it was week two, we'd click up the week two card. Every group worked off that same week two card.
2: Did you It's to keep everybody on pace? We, we started with 10 minute weeks uh, as adults. It goes a lot quicker. Um, and we also had to modify it since we kind of did it at the end of the year. We didn't do the full 52 cards. Uh, we did 10 each um, season. So we ended up doing 40 weeks. And I think even on the last, in the winter, we ended up cutting it a little short just because we were starting to run out of time in the year.
0: (laughs) Time in our actual year. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it. So, well, all right. So let's process that a little bit. You said you used 10 minute, like a 10 minute sort of timer. And then that's Mm -hmm. one thing I want to kind of talk about. And then the other thing that you mentioned is uh, having all the cards up on the screen Does this mean that you had, here are the 10 weeks for spring? And did we know that we were going to do card one, then card two, then card three? Or was it just, here are all the options of spring, and whoop, we drew the seven. And so we're going to- Correct, that's how we did it. So we had each season up, and you could see all 12 weeks.
2: Uh, And so then we had a 12-sided die and just rolled that, and then whatever week came up is what everybody did. Uh, And then we went through, like I said, we went through 10 weeks. And then after the 10 weeks to give it, you know, some randomization there. uh, And then we would go to the
0: next season. But you did keep all 12 as options. So that it's a little like, we don't know, like maybe that crazy tornado is going to happen or not. (laughs) Yeah. And the
2: cool thing was we did this with our other dyad. So we had four sections in fourth grade. So Mondays and Wednesdays, we would do it with our two classes, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we would do it with the other two classes. So we got to see more of the variety than the kids actually did because some weeks, you know, one of the groups would get some of the weeks and the other group wouldn't get them. Uh, So when they talked about it amongst themselves too, they had some diversity there that they could share.
0: I love it. I love it. So that, that structure is really nice and helpful. Now, let's double back to the 10-minute sort of thing, like logistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, right, if we were playing this at the dinner table, if it took me 11 minutes, it takes me 11 minutes, it takes me three minutes, it takes, me three minutes it takes me three minutes. Who cares? Walk us through a little bit how that impacted the the, the both the game, the play of it, but also your students, right? Because now you are arbitrarily saying, like, this takes 10 minutes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, we tried to use the time to kind of just keep it on pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really stressed with the students uh, because they weren't taking the full 10 minutes. They were getting done in two, three, four minutes. Uh, and so we just kept stressing and we like, hey, you know, make your story more in depth. Give us more details. Delve into it. Don't just get done in two to three minutes. You know, use that full 10 minutes. And, you know, part of what we do in fourth grade is trying to get them to structure things in a designated time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's such a good skill to learn that, Hey, we have to do these three steps in these 10 minutes, but we want to try to use as much of those 10 minutes
0: as we can. So I guess that's it. And then let's, let's dive into maybe if you can break down what, what are the steps that you laid out? Cause fourth grade is a great year. Cause I got to tell you on EMC two, working with John closely, like, I feel like I get a good handle on what an, a high schooler can do being middle school myself, I totally get middle school. I originally taught in kind of upper elementary, but I really think upper elementary is a great indicator because you do want to be explicit, but at the same time, like they can, mm-hmm. they can handle, right? Like what a high schooler can handle. Cause they are used to like, I get it. I have to do step one, step two. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what did you suggest and, and how did you communicate that to students?
2: Well, you know, kind of <laughs> as we were explaining the game, you know, and we took them through their turn summary uh, and we just kind of talked about that. So in the turn summary, your first step is to play the card. Um, and, you know, like I said, uh, but we had the kids actually not discuss it with each other. So whoever's turn it was, and we had the kids roll initiative. Um, so everybody got to go in their group um, and whoever's turn it was an in initiative got that card and they made all the decisions the other group members were not allowed to agree or disagree um and then so that kind of opened a different thing too where everybody had the feeling that their what they wanted to be in this game was going to be in the game it's, as opposed to with gifted kids a lot of times they they bicker back and forth about whose idea is the best and so we wanted to do it this way so that everybody's input made it into the map and into the story
0: so just to give everybody kind of a feel. Uh, I'm just going to read one. And these guys might have adjusted this, so this might not have been exactly as the they had it. Uh, I'm looking at the hearts deck here. Number two, there's a large body of water on the map. So right, a kid would have drawn this card, is what Mike's saying. And mm-hmm. this kid now is in full control of this decision. There's a large body of water on the map. A.K. they would put it. They would literally draw it on the map, right? Uh, where is it? They're deciding that. What does it look like? Or because every card has these sort of two options. There's a giant man-made structure on the map. Where is it? Why is it abandoned? So, uh kind of can you kind of use that as an example? Kid mm-hmm. draws this card, what might it look like then as you walk through the turn summary and, you know, take us through that for a sec.
2: Yeah, so, you know, I like the choices because it does give diversity. You know, depending on some kids are better storytellers, some kids are more visual, Uh, you know, so the visual kid might just say, "Okay, we're going to draw this big body of water. Or if in their prep for making their maps, they might have already have a big body of water. Uh, So then they might automatically just go to that second choice where there's that giant man-made structure on the map. Uh, Where is it and why was it abandoned? Uh, And, you know, like I said, the the diversity is great because those kids that really want to go into it, they can tell a good two, three, four minute story of what's happening with this. Uh, Whereas the kid that's not as comfortable, maybe they, you know, just draw this body of water on there and give a brief description of of why, you know, they put it where they put it, what advantages it's going to give them.
0: And just to help others that are listening to this, Mm -hmm. the idea is. When these people tell that light story, that's in the like history now of this community. So when, even I, on, even on the one that just said draw a lake, you know, you get to put that like, but you get to say a few things around it, right? So you can say whatever it's it's legend to be you know magical or whatever, and that might never come back up in somebody else's story. But the fact that you've put it out there, somebody else might play off that, right? Somebody yeah. there might be some future card about some mysterious guests in town you could be like oh they have like emerged from the the mysterious like you know and the right or those things can happen
1: another thing is that maybe food was a scarcity but now they have this body of water so another student will say well now we have this body of water can we now have fish as an abundance
0: exactly because once put in and and, right. and maybe the person that put that lake in place could say it's a freshwater lake, you know, mm-hmm. and it's great for fishing, you know, like, oh, now, future turn when it's like, oh, we have a food scarcity. They could be like, well, we're going to make canoes or whatever to go out in the lake and, mm-hmm. and fish. Right.
1: And so that's the first step in that 10 minutes. And then the second thing they do. Go ahead, Mike, was.
0: Adjusting the dice for the
2: projects they started. Yes. All right, so the third step. They can either, uh, we took out, hold a discussion. We'll introduce that again next year. I think we've kind of thought about some different ways to introduce it. But since we had a, an abbreviated time, we kind of just did the play a card and take an action. And when they do their take an action part of their turn, uh, they can discover something new or start a project. Uh, so, you know, just like you said, maybe they need to start a project now to build a boat to go out on that lake or body of water uh, to catch some fish.
0: All right, so just uh, again, because again, this is a podcast, so I help you all, mm-hmm. right? So we had step one, play a card, and that's just where the kids choosing that option A or option B, mm-hmm. uh, just to die. Mike sort of said that, like you guys understand it. I understand. It. I <laughs> love it. I love this aspect of the game. Time is a huge element in this game. So when you create a large project, like let's say we decided to build a spaceship. I mean, again. There's the sky's the limit in terms of what's happening in this game. So in their guys where it's more realistic civilization building, maybe they are going to build a giant dike to like ward off kind of floods. But like clearly you don't just say we built a dike and then draw it on the map Mm -mm. and it's like done. We made this huge project. You have to say like, ah, this is a big project. And at least in the regular game and maybe Mike and, and Carrie can kind of discuss how that worked in the class you have to kind of decide how big you think that project is and you put a six sided die down on that project, literally on the map. And then, so when it says adjust dice as your turn, every dice that's on that map, you kind of click down one and that's when the project then is finished. When it finally clicks from one to zero. Right. Uh, right. Which is a neat, I think aspect. Did you, so on that point before we move on to take an action, did you have it where they discussed like, Ooh, you, you said you mm-hmm. want to build a dike. Like that's huge. That's, you know, but if somebody else says, we just want to build a little like lookout tower, maybe that's, maybe that's like a one day thing. Yeah. Well, we that's did so- have them when it was whoever's turn,
2: they had full autonomy to, to do what they wanted to do. And we, you know, we really stress, remember what our goal is to make a civilization that's going to be sustainable and survive whatever natural disaster is going to come. Um, So they are able to, as a group, once that person decides what project they want to start. So going back to your example, like the dike, uh, they have to choose one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, but they also understand that some projects, realistically, six weeks isn't enough time. Uh, So they have to finish that project in stages. So for the dike, maybe the first, uh, just building the basic structure would take six weeks Uh, And then we'd have to start the second part of the project where they'd uh, do the concrete or or something else like that. Um, And then that might take an additional three weeks. So the project might take nine weeks, but we can only use a six-sided die. So they just have to break it down into stages to
0: do that. Did you find that your kids were realistic with that? Or were some like cheat the system and say like, I think an entire dike project is a two-week project?
2: The vast majority of them were realistic and that, you know, like I said, there was a few things that as we kept going through, we would really stress, use your time, make sure it's realistic, you know, have fun with the game, but make sure that this is something that could have happened for real.
0: So I love that aspect of the game. Uh, now, if we can kind of turn to the third and final stage, which you also already hit upon, but I want to <laughs> slow it down. People who haven't played this game, right. it's not in their heads. So the third is take an action. And remember, listeners, this is the same student. So the student has picked the make a lake or the abandoned thing, then adjusted the project dice that are out there. If any project went from that one to the zero... Uh, it's now online. It's there. I would imagine this kid is then, I mean, not playing that up, but definitely pointing out like, "Ooh, the Dyke Project finished phase mm-hmm. one." You know, I, uh, right? And who? It's actually whoever
2: started that project gets to explain how the project went. So when it ends, and some of the kids were really good about this, some of the projects ended, and it ended in failure on their own. Like It wasn't hard that said a project had to end in failure. Sometimes the kids would actually be truly realistic and say, you know what? It it didn't work. Uh, We had to start it all over again. So they'd have to restart that same project.
0: Would they just click the dice back to like three turns or would they on a future turn as one of the things that they talk about?
2: The, the couple times that I noticed it, they didn't do it right away. They kind of waited another turn or two. They started a different project and then came back to that project at a later time.
0: All right. So that's the adjust the die sort of like, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing to note that whoever laid that project down kind of is a pass the mic moment a little bit. Right. And which makes interaction a little better. Mm-hmm. And for the classroom, that's huge. Then we have this take an action, and there's sort of three options there under, in the traditional game. Mike pointed out that they've already sort of removed the middle one, but there's discover something new. So let's, I'm going to read all three, but then we're going to slowly kind of go through them. <laughs> all right. So there's discover something new, hold a discussion. I believe that's the one you guys skipped, and then start a project. So, okay, if we can go back to the discover something new, what does that mean? The kid drew the lake, kid adjusted the dice. Now what does it mean? Discover something new.
2: Yeah, so they can pretty much discover the world's their oyster right now. Uh, you know, they can go up to their map and say, we were exploring and we found a couple cave entrances. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't do anything with it, but they just found it. Um, and, then literally, maybe, and then literally draw it or adjust the And they the map. draw it on Correct, the map. Right, yep. And then they have to draw it. And the, the whole point of the mapping on it, too, is that it's just a map without writing on it. There shouldn't be words and descriptions written all over it. They have a key for that. So that was kind of challenging for some of the students as well to to just have a visual representation and have to look somewhere else for what it was down the road when they couldn't quite remember.
0: I love it. So this discovery is is the biggest probably change agent to the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the cards too, but the, the definitely yeah. like this is a huge change agent. Um, and
1: this is where their stories really started to develop and started to connect to things. And so that was very exciting to hear as we walked around to like, well what did you discover? And
0: So they could um, you allowed them to insert, which I think the game does too. Mm-hmm. Like more details. It's not just we discovered I don't know, whatever, a new river around the mountain. It you could insert more detail there like we've discovered a river that seems to already have gold or whatever like Mm -hmm. you could
1: that was part of that oral storytelling and getting them to use their full time to you know because in fourth grade we work a lot on providing details and you know kids tend to rush through things just to be done we really wanted them to savor and immerse themselves in this world that they're building
0: i love it uh all right so discover something new Awesome. Hold a discussion. This is the one that you guys skipped this year.
2: Yeah, we skipped it this year, but I think next year we'll kind of bring it back for those times when there are students in a group that disagree with a project. We we didn't really build in how to deal with that last year just because it was such a short amount of time that we tried to fill it in. Uh, But we want to bring that back next year so they can have good meaty discussions about why some people want things and some people don't want things. So you, we want to be able to open that communication and, you know, argumentative okay. discussions.
0: Are you comfortable in this? Because you didn't run it. I mean, do you have that in your head? Like, just for this podcast, like, what does it mean to hold a discussion? Yeah,
2: I, I above thinking about it right now, I, I haven't done anything. You know, it really depends. And you as a teacher know, you have different groups every year. And I don't necessarily know if our groups from last year would have been able to have um fully engaged discussions that wouldn't turn into just straight out arguments. So we, that was part of the reason we kind of backed that off this year as well, especially with the first full year back from COVID. Um, you know, so we chose to focus on other things. Instead.
0: I, I like, um, I like that you're kind of proof that the game still sort of works and is enjoyable in that um, I brought up the directions here. I got to hold a discussion uh, it's pretty short directions here mm-hmm. uh, it's saying that it's an interesting structure it's saying that everybody it's important to stick to one to two sentences like that people can kind of say in this like so it's not but it's good because that's again with time it's not mm-hmm. for you to just sit here and keep going on and on about like I think we should and we shouldn't do this blah. blah, blah. I got one to two sentences to kind of communicate my feelings on this and huh. that,
1: that discussion that Mike's talking about and that you're reading about, if you think about it in the classroom, that's something that we plan on building in all of our content areas. How do you have that critiquing others' reasoning if we want to bring in those standards of math practices? Or how do we have those conversations with each other where we're allowed to disagree, but we have to do it in a, you know, in a way that's conducive to our classroom culture and climate?
2: And respectful to each other,
1: right? Um, we have three. Our our kind of motto at WGA is kindness, bravery, and adaptability. Ooh, I like and that. So, as we are talking about, you know, how we're going to expand this next year, um, these are conversations that Mike and I are having a lot via text too right now over the summer. <laughs>
0: uh, I dig it. Uh, this this would be interesting too with students. That at least the way it is written in the text. Or not the textbook <laughs> in the directions mm-hmm. it says uh you can either open with a statement or you can open with a question if you open with a statement it in the directions it says that's it like mm-hmm. we each are going to get to speak once and me opening with a statement that's it for me i don't get to say it again or come back to somebody else's and then if you open with a question you get to an answer last but it also says this doesn't ever result in a decision being made. It's just to sort of uncover a little more thoughts about the community. It's mm-hmm. it's further fodder, if you will, for future rounds because now we all have this pulse. We have a better view of the pulse. But you're not actually drawing something on the map. You're not actually discovering that gold. You're just sort of either making a statement about the community or a question about the community. And then mm-hmm. everybody sort of answers add to the general history book of the community that's that's fascinating
2: yeah and I, I mean i definitely want to use that it's just a matter of that's something that we're going to have to build up to throughout the year sure not just throw at him at the end and so i it's you know like Carrie said, that's definitely something we're going to build in this year that we, you know, another
0: addition to what we've been doing. But again, I love the fact that you ran this and didn't have that and it still Mm -hmm. held its overall integrity. Now, Mm -hmm. now the last action that you can take is start a project. That sounds like we kind of covered a little bit in terms of the adjust to die, but this is where somebody could create from their own head. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it's not on that card. It doesn't have to be the abandoned thing that was on that card. It could be, you know, where we seem to be having a problem with water and crops and whatnot. So we have that lake that we just made. I think we should start an irrigation project, right? Mm -hmm. And then I get to full control, decide I think that that is at least the first stage, digging the ditches or whatever, uh, not getting any of the machinery in. But I think that's going to take six weeks just to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: Yeah, you know, it just gives them so much freedom uh to be able to do whatever they think is going to help their their civilization, you know, uh survive through that natural disaster that's coming in the, at the end of the year.
0: I love it. Uh you guys did a did a great job on this. Uh so just in general, well, let's now that we definitely took a deep dive, we're uh pretty far into this podcast it's 34 minutes already but for those no it's i really wanted to go slow on this this is a bigger topic i guarantee you people are still hanging in here listening so i want now that they really get the game and we intentionally drilled down in the game i'd love to just hear your guys thoughts like give us some stories give us some like elements give us some things you liked some things you noticed you know things you're excited to run next year One thing that I I really
2: liked is it really helped me with doing Dungeons and Dragons in this this year. It's helped me become a better storyteller because I've never really been really good at that. Uh, So one example was uh, the last class we had with our second group. uh, And I'm going through, you know, kind of what's happening to these different civilizations uh, because I would roll a die. And that was the natural disaster that their civilization had to survive. Um and so I was I was using such good detail and things. There was a couple kids and, and Carrie took a couple pictures and, and posted them on Instagram. Um, that was just so into it that just amazed look on his face, just like that, what disaster is coming now and it was it was just great to have those kids buy into it that much that they actually cared about what was happening to this civilization.
0: That's that agency.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the level of engagement was just um, made Mike and I a little bit giddy because we weren't we've never played the game. We weren't really sure how the kids were going to buy into it. But uh, it was they all did. And the stories that came out and the things that happened in their communities were pretty amazing. And then when the natural disasters did come and they had to decide themselves. Did your community survive based on all the things we've learned about natural disasters and adaptations and how civilizations like the Mesoamericans, you know, use their environment? And um, we have several groups that were very honest and they're like, yeah, no, ours were totally wiped out. (laughs) There's no way we survived that.
0: (laughs) Nice.
2: Nice. Uh, It does just go to show, too, for anybody out there listening that, like Carrie said, we never played the game. I heard it on a podcast and I got it. And we just modified it. So it, it doesn't always have to be something that you've played and you you have an intricate understanding of. Uh, you know, It's just an out, a f- outline or a framework of something and we, we just used it and made it work.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a good lesson reminder for all of us teachers that, uh, you know, I know we like to make everything just right, but in all honesty, like life's messy and sometimes the more we mimic life, the kind of the better the experience because i think kids probably felt that you guys were exploring this with them that you Mm -hmm. didn't know like this wasn't your 17th time doing it and you kind of know that yep you're all gonna build a windmill and it's gonna all be fine yeah yeah,
1: our, our standard was you can't ask the game masters questions because we don't answer questions we're gonna go back to your group and you know figure it out um and as as we adapted as we went like the gameplay got faster we went from 10 minute weeks to like 6 minute weeks 7 minute weeks so we could get more weeks done so we just like Mike said we just adapted as we played and sure. we it, and and the kids rolled with it and they loved it
2: I love it. And we also had them we also had them represent what they did in written ways. Uh, at the end of the class, they could uh, do a visual representation or a written representation or a combination of the two. Uh, And next year, we're going to do that same thing, but instead of doing it for just a couple of the weeks, uh, at the end of each season, they're going to have, like, a big project to do, whether they're going to do a podcast, an interview, a video, a newscast, or something like that, so they can share with everybody what's happening in their civilization right now.
1: And just a plug for you, um, we used a lot of the EMC2 resources. So the timers came from EMC2. It's this nice. uh, idea, like your story cubes, as one of the ways that the kids could. Yeah. So, so Mike and I were constantly digging little pieces of like some things to help us logistically too, sure. and give the kids different ways to present I
0: their love stories. It. Yeah, the I oh. think it's so neat that you guys got this game to like work, but I love just the breath that the game gives students. It's just <laughs> open. I could see a million ways you can connect. Writing to it, even reading to it. uh, Presenting. I mean, like you said, at the end, kids could kind of walk through, here's how our civilization kind of played out. And so cool, the history teacher and me. (laughs) I think it's super awesome that you had 16, you know, I mean, like, there are, this is happening, right? So 16 histories are happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. 16. And so crazy that, that and so crazy and so true to life that there was probably 16 different outcomes yep. 16 different like nuances right like and yep. and yet these are all humans making decisions mm-hmm based on the same you even had the same events drawn so it's like they're all dealing with make a lake or make an abandoned thing but that choice right there some made the lake some made the abandoned Mm -hmm. within those that made the abandoned what was it you know like because that can come up later in the story that could be where the aliens kept the technology like who knows right but like (laughs) um I know you guys probably kept it more on the realistic side, but,
2: yeah.
0: uh, but still anything could have been in there. Right. That could have been the yeah. structure like, oh, wow. Like this was the abandoned, like mine, right. Then like all of a sudden now they are rich in resources cause they ended right. up like finishing the mine. Uh, and they could say that that project didn't have to take as long because it was just right. put on the map and it was already there. Like, boom, done. Uh, and so, so cool. So cool that you guys did this. Uh, I absolutely love it. Do you have any uh, last bit advice for somebody about this game or just in your experience about diving in, like your choice? Don't be afraid. Yep, just that's try. what I was
1: going to say. Just, <laughs> you have nothing to lose. No, we
2: just we just went and did it. So
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah,
1: just and then have fun with the kids, too. And if it, something doesn't work, it's like, oh, okay, that didn't work. We're going to try something different this time.
0: I love it. Well, thank you, too, for coming on. Uh, I think due to the 10 extra minutes, we're going to (laughs) skip reflection time. But (laughs) uh, I would love to have you guys on again for this topic or to hear about your D&D in the school. I think this would be awesome topics. Absolutely. We would love it.
1: And we're building a – for next year, we're building a a year-long game. with all. We're going to have all four classes in, so that will be fun to talk about as we – Implement Ooh, yeah. that because again we don't know. We, like we listen to your podcast and we follow people on Twitter and we've read your books and so we're just gonna come back to our thing. We're throw. We're just gonna jump in and try it and kind of build it as we go.
0: Awesome sauce! I absolutely love it, guys. Uh Thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, everybody else, thanks so much for listening to Well Played Podcast. Stay connected. Share your ideas. Again, use the hashtag Well Played Podcast. Tag me at Mr. Matera. And hope to see you over on EMC2. Check that out, too. Use that hashtag EMC2Learning. All right, everybody. Have a great day and play on.